Welcome. Sorry I'm late. I had to grab the stand. Forgot the stand. Good to see you. <laughs> wow. All right. Hey, my name's Austin. If you haven't met me yet, we'd love to get to know you. Uh, I work here at Salt Company. Um, part of a great team. You got to see all four of the other guys up here. I help with freshman ministry, and um, I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a really fun night. Okay, we're closing out our victory series, but first I want to uh, draw attention to a very special group of people. So, a couple weeks ago, I got the honor of leading a trip down to Texas. Can we please make some noise? We had spring break trip. Okay. Uh, Mickey and Sam made a lovely collage that we wanted to show to you tonight. This is uh, just, just a fun memory of our spring break trip to Texas. Mickey has like this doll that she likes to take pictures of. It's kind of like a flat Stanley sort of thing. So that's all of us. Ardiff is, is the name. I don't, I don't totally get it. It's great. It made an appearance. Nice. Okay. Anyway, I just wanted to give a special shout out to the people that came uh, to Texas with me. That was a grand old time. We loved it. But, hey, if you've been around the past couple weeks, we've been, we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A sweet chapter of the Bible that really digs in to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, It's this chapter that really unfolds why the resurrection of Jesus is the thing for the Christian. It's what we build everything upon, and so it, it matters. So we've been able to chat about it for a while, and uh, we're wrapping that up, so we're going to chat about victory again. We're going to chat about the resurrection again, and something that this has made me think about is uh, a time in my life where I saw a lot of victory, okay? I saw a lot of victory. This has made me think of the glory days of Austin's football career, Okay? Yeah, and I know, I know. You might be looking at me you're like, Austin, I see the frame. I don't think that you have glory days in football. And you couldn't be farther, farther from the truth. Uh, here's the thing. My glory days weren't in college. My glory days also weren't in high school. My glory days of football was fifth and sixth grade. And it was fantastic. Let's go. Okay. So let me just fill you in on this. My first year of football started in fifth grade, right? I'm a part of Burnsville Athletic Club. We're doing like the in-house football, uh, like you're playing other fifth and sixth graders and all the names of the teams are like NFL teams, right? So we're the Steelers. My fifth grade and sixth grade team, we're the Steelers, right? Black and gold, baby. And you're looking at the starting quarterback of the, <laughs> of the fifth and sixth grade Steelers. It was epic. It was epic. Now... Here's what you need to know. Regular season, we went undefeated, okay? We didn't lose a game. And in fact, we swept the competition. Now, you might be saying, Austin, I don't think you can really throw a ball that well in fifth grade. You're right. I handed the ball off every single time. So it was great. It was great. I, I just handed the ball out to my guy. He would take it. He would score. Probably 50% of his touches were touchdowns. It was, fa it was fantastic. We, we swept the competition. Now... You might say, was that it? No. Sixth grade. Okay, we're still playing fifth and sixth graders. This year I'm on the Jets, okay? 
Guess what? Still the starting quarterback. Guess what else happens? Regular season, undefeated. Okay? And then we do the playoffs. We make it to the championship. We lose the championship. That, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Third year. That was my first loss on a football team. Think about that. That's kind of amazing. Okay. Third year. Third year. Now I'm on the Falcons. Okay. This is my seventh grade year. This is, this is where it gets crazy. Actually, my seventh grade year, we didn't win a game. How'd that happen, you might say. What changed? I wasn't the starting quarterback. <laughs> That's what changed, okay? I was pretty bummed. We didn't win a game. Frustrating. It was one of those teams where we were like midway through the season, finally scored our first touchdown. The other team clapped for us. It was, that didn't actually happen. That would have been pretty sad. But we didn't win a game, okay? They should have put me at quarterback, Here's the deal. The first two seasons were epic. We loved the amount of victory we had that last season, that seventh grade year. Kind of sucked. Lost a lot. Why? We want to win. Whether it's a Little League football, if it's the March Madness bracket, if it's skee-ball, that one's for Drake. You can ask him about that. Uh, we want to win. Okay? So, we see this in every aspect of our life. And so we're going to talk about it tonight. How to win. How to see victory. And what does victory mean? How can we access it? Short and sweet, Jesus brings victory. Jesus brings victory. Okay, here's how we've seen this so far through 1 Corinthians 15. God sent his only son, Jesus. He was in heaven, on the throne, but was sent down actually in the humility of a child. But Jesus actually grew up, was without flaw. He lived the perfect life, and then he was actually killed on a Roman cross by his own creation. He was fully God, but fully man, and he suffered a gross death on our behalf. He took all of the sin, all of the wrongdoing, all the, our rebellion upon himself, was put up on a cross, and was killed a brutal death. He took all of our sin, our past sin, our present sin, our future sin, and he took it to the grave. But the greatest reality of the Christian life, the pinnacle of history, is that three days after Jesus was crucified, he rose from the grave. Jesus brings victory. You see, death is strong, but it wasn't, as, it wasn't strong enough for Jesus. It wasn't strong enough for the king of the universe. He defeated death. He is exactly who he said he was. And actually to prove it to you, he appeared to over 500 people in his resurrected body to show that he was king even over, over death. And now he sits enthroned in heaven at the right hand of the Father and he's worthy to be praised. Jesus brings victory. Can I get an amen please? Let's go. Jesus brings victory. Okay, but you don't believe that. You don't believe that Jesus brings victory because actually the evidence of your life shows that you need to be the one to earn victory. Your life says that you are the one capable of sort of manufacturing heaven here, creating the perfect life 
for you to enjoy or accomplishing enough here so that you can be credited for the victory. You think that if you make enough money or, or have enough wealth and status that you can actually just buy heaven on earth. You think that if you have the freedom to sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want, that you'll feel the pleasure of heaven. You think that if you keep achieving, keep performing, that the status you receive will actually earn you that spot in heaven. Your definition of winning at life, your definition of victory is to get what you want, whenever you want. But actually, the way to win is to get the life that you were made for. Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about. And Jesus is the one who is able to bring that victory in your life, not you. Here's what the text says. Okay, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 again. You can, you can turn there now. We're in the last section, starting at verse 50. Read with me. It says, I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, he's saying, check this out. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Jesus brings victory. Here's what Paul's saying. Okay, there's a mystery. There's a mystery. Behold. Something that we need to be aware of that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So soon that Paul actually says, not all of us are going to sleep. He's not talking about naps. He's talking about, this is another way of them saying, not everybody's actually going to die before Jesus comes back. Not all of us are going to die before Jesus returns. Okay, and what happens when Jesus returns? Why is that so significant? What happens when he comes back? He's actually bringing the imperishable kingdom. Jesus is bringing the imperishable kingdom, a kingdom that will not die. That's the mystery that Jesus is coming back any day now. And on that day, he will bring with him fully the imperishable kingdom Okay, I'm going to nerd out slightly for a little bit because this is, this is mind-blowing, honestly. Man, I hope that this gets you excited that you would actually search the Bible for evidence of what this means. The imperishable kingdom, the land that we've been waiting for, the real physical place that we long for. It's coming. It's coming. The Bible says that Jesus is physically returning to earth. But he's returning as a warrior on a horse. Okay, this is not the Jesus that's in the picture frame of your grandmother's kitchen. This is warrior Jesus. With fire in his eyes and thigh tattoos that say king of kings and lord of lords. Look it up. It's epic. Okay, Jesus Christ is coming back. But he's coming back to rule. He's coming back to rule the world fully what is hidden now in Jesus's lordship will be revealed one day but you got to hear me on this part it's not just that Jesus is going to rule but the amazing mystery that Paul is referring to is that we are going to join him we are going to join him 
in the remade, imperishable world. Paul says that the dead who are in Christ will actually be raised to imperishable bodies. And those who have not yet died will be changed in the twinkling of an eye into these imperishable bodies. Okay, look again at what verse 53 says. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. God's plan for all of creation is summed up in the word redemption. The entire cosmos is actually going to be remade when Jesus returns. There will be a new earth where all will be as it was meant to be. All of creation will be redeemed and we get to be a part of that. You see, part of this New creation is our restored relationship with the Father. It was broken when sin entered the world at the fall in Genesis chapter 3, but it will be restored one day fully. And we get to taste that in part now, but one day we will dwell with the living God. Don't get it twisted, though. We're not actually going to be, I think sometimes we have this strange view of what life's going to be like after death, that we can think maybe we're just floating in the clouds. We're like disembodied spirits inhabiting a place with God. But that's not actually it. We're going to have real bodies. There's a reason that Paul talks about these imperishable bodies. It's a physical reality, incorruptible bodies. You know what that means? We're actually going to do stuff. We can like do stuff in the remade world. This is the kind of stuff that I daydream about. I'm serious. We're going to have real bodies doing stuff in the real perfect creation. This means I'm going to go on backpacking trips with Jesus. Sick. I'm going to have breakfast for dinner with Jesus. Okay. I'm going to play one-on-one with Jesus. Not going to end well. Not going to be like the glory days of my football career. Okay. Maybe I'll, just plant a tr- maybe I'll just plant a tree, honestly. I'll just plant a tree and, like, watch it grow. How epic would that be? Because it would be a perfect tree. It's going to be a perfect tree. Okay, this is going to be so amazing in this imperishable world because death will be fully defeated. Death will be fully defeated in this imperishable world. Would you look with me back at the text 54 and 55? with me when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come the pass come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting guys this is an amazing promise of a day that is soon to come death will be no more life will have no end We will be imperishable, and we will dwell with the living God forever. There will be a day when we won't even be able to find the sting of death. We will be able to look around and only see life and life abundantly. Death will be a foreign thought. Sin will be eradicated, and all of creation will be restored to its intended glory. The oceans will be without pollution. The forests will thrive in life. The mountains will cry out proclaiming the beauty and the grandeur of the creator God. And humanity will exist in complete harmony with it all. 
all like it was intended to in the first place. No pain, no sorrow, but true, unending life. That's the victory that Jesus brings. But that's something that only Jesus can bring. So no matter how hard you try, you can't bring that imperishable kingdom yourself. But even as I say that, you and I, we're going to leave this place and we're going to still try to attempt to sort of bring that, to purchase that, to achieve that ourselves. We still try to get what we want on our own. But just like the last few years can prove, we just simply don't have the power within ourselves to be in full control that way. We don't have the power to actually bring heaven to earth. No matter how hard we try, we will fail if it's up to us. Let's be honest here, we can't even make the perfect bracket. Have you tried? <laughs> we can't even make the perfect bracket. Seriously, okay, raise your hand if all four of your final four teams are still in the tournament. This is possible. Okay, four of us. That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Good work, though. Good work, though. Um, okay, here's the thing. Final four brackets. Two rounds in, and we're already busted. You could have made 100 brackets. They would have all been toast by now. You can guess. You can speculate. You can look at all the statistics. You can make some gutsy bets, but you will not be able to create that perfect bracket. You could actually make... 100 brackets for the next 100 years, and you would still not be able to make the perfect bracket. No matter how hard you try, you're going to fail at that. But Jesus, he could make the perfect bracket in one try, guaranteed. Here's what I'm saying. It, it's not just about brackets. Here's what I'm saying. You don't have the power to bring the imperishable kingdom no matter how hard you try, you will always fail, so stop trying to bring it yourself. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can bring the imperishable kingdom. Hey, if you're in the room right now and you actually aren't following Jesus, you don't believe this to be true, just want to say, hey, thanks for coming, honestly. It can be kind of tough to Walk into a room knowing that there's going to be a lot of people in here that, like, don't agree with you on some pretty big stuff. So I just want to say thanks, honestly, for coming. And I have another thing to say that the, the invitation, the invitation is on the table. You can be a part of this imperishable kingdom. You can have this hope of a world made new, but it only comes through Jesus. Maybe you've been intentionally denying him for a long time now. Maybe you've been uh, just too busy or you just don't quite care enough to commit. But the invitation is still on the table for you. You can be a part of this imperishable kingdom. You are welcome now. You are as welcome now as you ever will be, you ever could be to come to Jesus because it's not actually about what you can bring to the table, but it's about bowing the knee and saying, Jesus, I believe that your kingdom is actually better than my own, and I need you. I need you to bring it, not me.
Only Jesus brings victory. But here's the amazing truth. Jesus brings the victory, but then Jesus gives you the victory. What does that mean? You have victory. You have it. It's yours if you are in Christ. Jesus wins. He defeated death. He will fully defeat death. He will swallow it up for all of eternity. Jesus brings victory, but then he actually credits it to you. Okay, let's look at verse 56 and 57. Here it says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Here we go. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory now. Present tense. Did you catch it? He gives us victory now. Let's go. Okay. You have victory now because Jesus gave it to you. I need to tell you another quick story. So this one happened today. This is fantastic, guys. So I was going to go to lunch, right? Um, wanted to go to five guys. I'll say it. It tempted me, and it, it overtook my temptation. I, I went to five guys. Uh, I wanted a burger. I decided, hey, I'm only going to get a burger because five guys is kind of pricey. Don't really have, I'm, I'm working with a budget. So I'm just going to get the burger, a cheeseburger with barbecue and mayo. Great combination. If you haven't tried it, I'd recommend it. But order my thing. I'm sitting at the table just kind of waiting for the order to, to be prepared. Okay. They get it ready, and they say, all right, order number 29 is ready. So I walk up to the table, and I'm going to grab my burger, but the worker says, hey, man, are you sure you don't want any fries? <laughs> Has anybody ever asked you that question? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The amount of, like, soul searching that went on when he asked me that question was crazy. I was like, well, in my mind, I was like, well, yeah, I definitely want fries, but... So I just responded with, ah, yeah, I just ordered the burger, so it's, it's fine. He's like, oh, oh, dude, I think you should, I think you need some fries. I was like, oh, what? He's like, don't worry about it, man. On the house. Here's some fries. Come on. Yes. <laughs> okay. So cool. So this guy, you know, scoops the fries into my bag, and I'm just like, wow, this is fantastic. So then I, you know, leave. I eat my fries. It was great. He just gave them to me. I didn't even pay for the fries. He just gave them to me. Okay, Jesus, just like this worker giving me the fries, Jesus gives you the victory. Now you've got it. It's yours. Go enjoy it. Enjoy the victory. It's on the house. Okay, but some of you walked into this room as if Jesus hadn't given you the victory. You've walked into the room as if it's still up to you to try and earn it yourself. Some of you walked in with your head hung low and just the weight of the world on your shoulders because it feels like you're still losing. And maybe as I'm saying that, just an area of your life is being brought to the top of mind. 
Just that area of your life where it feels like you're losing. What is that? What is that for you? Maybe you feel like a failure because last night you watched porn again. Maybe you're bummed about that flippant comment that you made to somebody that you love and it hurt them and you're just feeling bummed about it. Maybe you're going out to the bars on the weekends, but you've got this like looming thought that somebody from this room is actually going to see you out and start asking some questions. Maybe, maybe you've been living a double life this whole time, and it just hurts to know that nobody really knows what's going on in your life. Whatever it is, hear me on this, it doesn't have to be like that anymore. It does not have to be like that anymore. Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the one who offers freedom from sin and death. Believe that he has actually credited that victory to your account. Colossians 1 says that you were once alienated with God. You were hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, but you have been reconciled through the body of Jesus Christ so that you would be able to be presented holy and blameless before him. Believe that. Romans 8 says that there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus and that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the grave is living in you and it will bring life to your mortal body. Believe that Jesus has given you freely his spirit which allows you to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Will you do that perfectly every time? No, you won't. But growth will happen. You will grow and become more like him. Guys, there is hope for you. There was hope for me. I was a schmuck. I was chasing after sin, constantly running away from Jesus and towards my own sinful desires. But by God's grace, growth happened. Not because of me, because God's spirit in me, the same spirit that dwells in you if you are in Christ. He has given me victory. He has given you victory. Guys, this is just like when your team wins the Super Bowl. You actually get to cheer just as loud as all the players on the field. Why? Because you're wearing the jersey. And Jesus, he won the whole thing. And you're wearing the jersey. So you get to live and celebrate and walk in victory. Believe that this is true of your life. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. So next time you're actually lured in by temptation, you can fight knowing that you can win. You can beat it. When the scummy parts of your past get brought up again, you can hold your head up and rejoice that it is no longer about what you have done but you are now defined by what Christ has done, and you are free. Let this be the flag that you put in the ground. Let this be the banner that is over your life, victory in Christ. Walk in that. See, a lot of us acknowledge the work of Christ, but we don't let that affect the way we walk. Okay, we acknowledge the work of Christ, but we continue to operate as though 
our work is meaningless or that we still need to try and earn it somehow. We don't seem to connect the dots to find ultimate purpose now, but here's what's true. The victory of Christ does bring about ultimate meaning. Let's look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We work from victory. What an amazing promise that your labor for the kingdom is not in vain, that your labor for the kingdom is valuable. First of all, I think we should clarify something, though. The phrase in there, the work of the Lord. You probably think that the work of the Lord is just like vocational ministry, right? Working for a church, teaching the Bible from a stage, being a pastor, leading ministry. Okay, that's not actually what Paul is talking about. The work of the Lord is recognizing the place that you're in, recognizing the gifts that God has given you, and then leveraging them for the sake of the kingdom. Recognizing the place, the giftings, and then leveraging them for the sake of the kingdom. That's the work of the Lord. Cool thing about that? That means every person in every place can work for the Lord. Every person, yes, that means you. Every person in every place has the ability to work for the work of the Lord and bring in this imperishable kingdom through Jesus. I want you really quickly to see just the significance of the place that you're in currently. Nobody else in history is able to do what you're able to do. This is on purpose. Think of, okay, think of three people in your life right now. This is a quick exercise. Think of three people in your life that you come into contact with often. Just really quickly, who's coming to mind right now? No one else in history has the same relationship with those three people that you do. Nobody else. Okay, there is significance to the time and the place that you have been placed. And it is not an accident. God has done this on purpose. You have meaning. God has placed you where you are and given you the unique gifts that you have in order to impact the people around you for the sake of the imperishable kingdom. The work of the Lord is not just ministry in a vocational sense. The work of the Lord is leveraging your place and your giftings for the sake of the coming kingdom. That means no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can work for the glory of God. Let's get practical here. Okay, for most of you, God has placed you as students. It's amazing. It's good. We love education. So, here's what this means. For you, as a student, the work of the Lord is being the best student that you can be. Okay, the the work of the Lord is showing up to class. The work of the Lord is studying appropriately. The work of the Lord is being that group project member that actually cares about their contribution 
and works to build up the other people in your group. Remember that you work from victory. You're not working for victory. You work from victory, which means you don't actually have to compete for worth or value anymore. You work from victory, which means you get to enjoy the good gift of education and give glory to God for your work, leveraging the place and the giftings for the sake of the kingdom. If you work at McDonald's, that means the work of the Lord for you is actually doing your best to make sure that you can provide the best batch of french fries possible. If you're working for a big company someday, the work of the Lord is being honest about the hours you work, speaking highly of your boss, highly of your coworkers, and refusing the temptations to steal or cut corners. If you're a stay-at-home parent, the work of the Lord for you is to raise up your child to know and love Jesus. The work of the Lord is to faithfully care for your children, to laugh with them, to support them, to discipline them, and to point them to the love of the Father. This is why we work in the name of Christ, not for our glory, but every, because every selfless act, every honest hour of work, every choice made to honor Jesus with our hands is actually a signpost to the coming kingdom. A signpost as in a sign that points to something greater. A sign that points to something even better than the act itself. See, Paul exhorts believers to be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in love, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because it just might open up the door for gospel proclamation. What if you lived in a way that begged the question, why do you do that? What if your desire to honor Jesus through your work made that group project member ask you, hey, why do you encourage all the other group members so much? Like, why do you, why do you actually care about us? And you could simply respond with, hey, I just want, I just want to honor King Jesus with my life and with my work. And he's given me this sweet opportunity to love my neighbor because he actually first loved me. Man, what would that do to our campus? What if this whole room went out this week and lived like that? Knowing that you have the victory that Christ has earned, that you've been given it to him, that you can work from victory. What if each one of us was actively seeking out the ways to bring light and hope into dark places on our campus? Imagine how many more people would feel welcome to come through these doors, to hear the good news of Jesus, to respond in worship. And I'm not even talking about next year. I'm talking about next week. What would our campus look like next week if this room went out and worked from victory? This is the vision of gospel-fueled labor, that it would be a signpost of the coming kingdom. Okay, really quickly, 
I want to talk to you about the vision of, of Soul Company leadership because it's not something that we're just trying to hype up. This Soul Company leadership is gospel-fueled labor. That's what we believe it is. And your place right now is so significant as a college student. You've been placed as a college student for a reason. So that you can reach other college students with the good news of Jesus. Okay, so if you're taking advantage of this place that you've been in, think about the giftings that you have. Leveraging for the sake of the gospel. Leveraging them for the sake of the coming kingdom. If you're sitting there right now and just contemplating, and I want to do that. I want to leverage my place and my gift for the sake of the imperishable kingdom to bring that onto the campus. Here's the ask. Hey, tonight, would you apply for Soul Company leadership? Would you say, yeah, I want to I be a part of something that's actually bringing the good news onto the campus, and I want to work. But I know that just like the words of Paul here, that my work is not in vain. And just to be real, I know the deadline is tonight. It, you can do it tomorrow. That's okay. We just, the heart is that, hey, let's do this thing together. Let's be a part of bringing the imperishable kingdom. Jesus is leading us onto the campus, into the dark places, but we're bringing a message of victory. Not just for this life, but for the imperishable, unending future with Jesus. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. There is no one like you. Your plan for the redemption of the world is better than I, anything I could have come up with myself, God. Your wisdom is amazing. Your name so great and it is just an honor to be a part of your kingdom Lord you alone are worthy of praise we will not stop preaching of your victory we will not stop singing of your victory until the whole world knows and even then Lord we will be singing holy 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 for all of eternity when we join you in your imperishable kingdom God would you give us faith, Lord? Help us to believe that you have indeed given us victory. Help us walk in that this week. Father, be glorified as we worship you now. You alone are worthy of praise. Spirit, would you be here in this room and receive honor and praise from our mouths, God. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.